other part of the network is my connecting with that desire that I have is not only to help individuals be successful, help organizations be successful, but also to create a world that works for all. So I'm able to add to that network of collaboration, the work that I love to do around equity and really looking at how do we um, co-create um, a world that works better? So hence, Diamond Cut Leadership Network. And you know, to get a diamond, you have to do some work to get the best product out. So. Hi everyone, I'm Elizabeth Swan. And I'm Tracy O'Rourke, and we're from the Just In Time Cafe, and welcome to our podcast. At the cafe, we wrestle with tough questions, talk to thought leaders, discuss great books, and get insights from Lean Six Sigma practitioners. We let you in on helpful apps, we bring you the news, and we challenge the status quo so you can build your problem-solving muscles. So Elizabeth, what's on the cafe menu today? I'm so glad you asked me that, Tracy. <laughs> Today's highlight is our interview with Debbie Barnard, a 20-year process improvement veteran in the healthcare industry who's on assignment in Dubai, and she's got a surprise project we're going to find out about. We're going to let you in on an app that turns you into a presentation superstar. And for Q&A, we asked our community how they got their best ideas, and we found some great techniques and some wild answers, which makes it a great day at the cafe, Tracy. Absolutely. Up next, it's hot apps. You recently saw one of our colleagues use this during a presentation, right? Yes, this app is called Prezi. So it's not new, but like most apps, they've stepped up their game recently, probably because of the pandemic and increased revenue and usage. And I believe they've added some new features. So I was reintroduced to it when I saw Tracy Defoe, a friend of ours, use it during the Katakan 7 virtual conference this year. One of Prezi's new features is to share your slides in the same window as your video. So you don't have to share your screen and you have your, you know, when you share your screen, your video reduces to a very small box on the side, but this allows you to be full size face. <laughs> and then you get to present your slides right along your video image, which I think creates a more dynamic experience for the audience, especially if that person is expressive presenter. So it's a great feature. It's called Prezi Pre Present. Uh, it's something I have seen before, but it, it allows you to create some dynamic presentations with this Prezi Pre Present. That's what I saw a few years ago. I have to be honest though, I do get car sick. <laughs> And when people were using the that particular feature, I was starting to feel a little woozy, like I was on a roller coaster ride. So uh, maybe other people thought it was super slick and cool, but I started to feel a little sick to my stomach. <laughs> so, uh, and then the other feature they have is something called Prezi Design. I'm not sure if this is new. I haven't seen it before, but it does allow you to create some really slick designs, infographics, maps, charts, and graphs 
if you're going to be using Prezi in your presentation. So what did you discover, Elizabeth? I remember Prezi too. It's been around 12 years. And I remember what you're talking about. I didn't think of it as being car sick, but it was a little jarring sometimes that it jumped to zooming in and zooming out. And that was disorienting. It was exciting. It was new, but a little disorienting. So when I saw it and I thought about using it, ultimately I stuck with PowerPoint, which maybe that just means I'm conservative, but you're right. It's come back into play during the pandemic as people are looking for alternatives to same old, same old Zoom presentations. And I believe that new feature where the person is right there next to their presentation was in beta not long ago. I was talking to Mark Graben and he was showing it to me, but uh, it, it uh, was too beta at that point for him to use. But now it's standard. So that is fun. And, and yeah, Zoom allows you to do that now too. The latest upgrade allows you to share your screen right next to your video image. So I think that, you know, uh, it's, it's not just Prezi that is doing that now too. So Prezi's got some competition. Uh -huh. <laughs> well, there's three levels of subscription. You can get it for five bucks a month, 15 bucks a month, 19 bucks a month. The standard version comes with icons, images, backgrounds, the ability to convert your PowerPoints into Prezi. The plus version offers branding, ability to make voiceovers, to do remote presentations. And then the premium version gives you analytics, advanced training, and phone support. It's a little more bespoke, I think, once you get up into premium. Mm -hmm. And you can get a 14-day trial for any three of these levels. They've also got a live demo, so you can get a sense of what's possible. Uh, and uh, helps jazz up the Zoom scene, right? Mm -hmm, definitely. We're going to include the link on the podcast post on our website so you can check it out. I'm Elizabeth Swan. You're listening to the Just In Time Cafe podcast. In a short while, you'll get to hear our interview with Debbie Barnard coming to the cafe live from Dubai. Next up, it's a question we pose to our community. What helps you get your best ideas? And the origins of this post go way back to my nagging dissatisfaction with group brainstorming. Both of us have taught techniques, Tracy, like analogy and anti-solution, and we need alternatives because straight brainstorming can be lackluster. You apparently have you know, neural nets in your mind, and these are kind of like well-traveled roads that your thoughts just continually go down. So when it's time to come up with solutions to common problems, you're going down the same old road. So it's hard to come up with uh, anything new. Uh, years ago, I worked for a company called Idea Champions and the president, Mitch Ditkoff, taught me to ask a question to each group, which is, where do you get your best ideas? What are you doing you know, when you get your best ideas? And the answers were always similar. In the shower, when I'm driving, walking the dog, Nobody ever said, in my cubicle, in the conference room, <laughs> it was just nothing to do with work. And we used that question as a way to prep people for the need for alternative brainstorming, right? So since you're not getting them at work, we're going to have to use this technique to spark your brain. Then I read an article in Scientific American about a study by Ned Herman. This is back in the late 90s. And he found that the best idea flow came from theta brainwaves. 
and theta brain waves happen, surprise, surprise, when we're doing solitary road activities like showering, driving, walking the dog. So I changed how I approach brainstorming with groups and allowing for that time when you get your best idea flow. And I wanted to reach out to the community and see what they did to get their best ideas. So let me start with you, Tracy. What did you, what do you do to get your best ideas? Well, I, I'll tell you what I do to get my best ideas, but I want to also share that I had the same experience as you as a facilitator, right? So first of all, we're so used to people jumping to solution. Oh, do this, do this, do this, do this. They've got this. And then you tell them, pause, let's wait till we know the root cause. And then we get to improve. We're like, okay, we're ready to brainstorm. And it's a dud. You're just like, are people tired? What, why, why are these ideas not so hot? Like, I mean, this is where they wanted to be all along. And now it's kind of dismal, right? Yeah. So that's, and I always just thought it was because people were just tired and they weren't used to brainstorming. <laughs> I don't know. I really, you know, wasn't sure. And your explanation of the Thetaways really makes a lot of sense. And so giving people time to have that theta wave experience, I think is really important. And, and that's kind of what you're asking me, like, wh- where does that happen for me? And I, I totally agree with you. Wrote activities that I'm doing that, you know, by myself, right? So I've, I've all over the place in the shower, in the middle of the night, when I'm sleeping last night, I woke up, I had an idea, right? I kind of really was hoping I could go back to sleep. Um, walking the dog, biking, hiking. The only time I don't, um, have really great ideas is when I'm playing pickleball, but it's because I'm so focused on the game. I'm not really, it's not really a rote activity. I'm totally engaged in it. So that makes sense. I'm going to lose you to the international pickleball league. Like you are playing more pickleball than anyone. And, uh, yeah, good, good use of pickleball, not for ideas. All right. So that I put this question out to our community. They are an incredibly generous, thoughtful, uh, bright crowd. So I'm gonna tell you some of what we discovered from our community. Adam Lawrence, who's an author and a process improvement consultant, he says he always encourages the teams to reflect at the end of the day and before the session starts. So he says during downtime, because he feels like the mind relaxes and opens up to new possibilities that way. Another one came up from executive, Leadership coach Mike Dennison, he said uh, he gets his best ideas when he's riding his motorcycle along difficult, narrow, unmade lanes in the rain. I hope he's I hope he's a really good motorcycle rider. He says uh, Mihali and his last name I'm not going to get it, but he wrote the book Flow. He calls this in its Kyrgyzstan. It's um, yeah. He he wrote the book Flow. So Mike refers to this as a flow state. I think there's a different different elements going on with the with the flow state, but he's reflecting that his challenge, which I have to sometimes, is remembering everything you think of, right? Because I go on a bike ride, he goes on a motorcycle ride. Uh, how do you remember what pops in your mind while you're in that flow state? And he looks for markers to remember on the journey, and he tries to attach ideas and concepts to the markers. And I've heard memory techniques like that. In fact, I'm going to start a blog about memory techniques, because I want to hear more of these. Another came from Ruth Stanley. She's director of continuous improvement at Michigan Technological University. She finds that after group sessions, she has to go back and do some thinking alone. And she has to build this alone time into her process. 
And she usually remembers everything and she writes it down in the morning before she gets going over a cup of coffee. Now, I love that. That's very civilized and, and strikes me as something Ruth would do. She's very thoughtful. Uh, the leadership development coach, Michelle Hiwa, uh, she gets great ideas in floods of inspiration uh, when she had stopped practicing being present for the day. And she calls this being absent as opposed to being present. And that's when her mind lights up. So that's a really interesting twist. We are constantly focused on being present. But what about being absent, right? We need to be consciously absent sometimes. I like that. Continuous improvement coach uh, John Dyer, when he facilitates a meeting, he tries to make it span over an afternoon on day one and then start up the next morning. And he designs the agenda to brainstorm at the end of the day and the beginning of the next day. And he gives participants a chance to discuss ideas at dinner. Then they get solo time, could be the gym, shower, get ready for bed. And then ideas on day two are much deeper, richer, and well thought out. And they usually become action items. So he's, he's uh, narrowed down exactly what works. And this came, uh, the similar idea came from senior lean specialist and at JE Dunn Construction, Tammy uh, McConaughey. I love this post, uh, or she loved this post. And she said the best ideas come in the morning before she picks up her phone or turns on her computer uh, and also during exercise. So it's another note to us before you pick up a phone or before you dive into your computer, which will then grab your mind and wipe out all, all the theta waves. So she suggested, what if a facilitated brainstorming session was send out the problem or the question two days prior, create an online collaboration note space, such as Mural, a digital whiteboard, Tracy, that you and I use, where the group could post their ideas as the ideas occur. And then you have the actual brainstorming session where ideas are discussed and built upon. And this last one is similar to what I came up with for, for myself, for us, and, and, and called it the swan cycle. And I called it that because my colleague, Karen Ross, challenged all of us women to start naming our concepts. And she said, it can't all be Deming cycles and Ishikawa diagrams. <laughs> I'm not putting myself in a category with Deming or Ishikawa. But the idea is, or the swan cycle goes, identify the challenge, right? What's the problem you're trying to solve? Share the challenge, similar to what Tammy said, send that out to people however you want to send it out, but get it out there. Allow people time to think, give them time to walk the dog, sleep, knit, and then bring the ideas together. And maybe in the, uh, in the meantime, uh, capture them, pull them together, and then we can get together and debate the ideas or work them, work them over. You know, ideas are raw. Let's see if we can't uh, get them to a better space together. That's where you want, I think, your colleagues' help is taking those ideas and refining combining, messing with them. Anyway, super rich conversation. I love our community, Tracy. I do too. And I really like the idea of the mural that you mentioned because feta waves do happen when, you know, we, we've stepped away from it and, but you've created a virtual board that anybody can go to at any time and they can enter their idea. Um, and then other people can get to see it and comment on it. So I really like you know, knowing, okay, you can write it on a post-it if you want, but if, if that doesn't work, you can always go to mural. And I also want to try to say this guy's name, or I don't even know if it's a guy or a girl, honestly, it's Mahali Siskins and Mahali. You just say it the way that's the, he'll say, that's exactly how you say it. <laughs> 
Well, I'm going to check that next time. <laughs> no, I really like this post. It's getting a lot of activity. It's definitely resonating with people. So Elizabeth, thanks for asking it and posing that question to our community and sharing some of what our people had to say. Really great ideas. And hopefully our listeners have some new ideas about how to generate some Theta waves. I'm Tracy O'Rourke, and you're listening to the Just In Time Cafe podcast. We host these monthly, so you can go to www.jitcafe, that's J-I-T-C-A-F-E.com, and go to our podcast page for all of our video episodes. Coming up next, it's our featured guest, Debbie Bernard. Tracy, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about Debbie? I love Debbie. Debbie Barnard is the executive director of Diamond Cut Leadership Network. She's also a consultant for the Joint Commission International, and she's currently on assignment in Dubai. She's an accomplished, driven global healthcare executive. She's a visionary strategic leader, a mentor and coach for many female women leaders in healthcare, a speaker, a facilitator. She's very interesting, very enjoyable. She's lived and worked in five countries, supporting organizations in North and South America, Europe, Asia, and the Middle East. And she's been for over 20 years leading system-wide patient safety, risk management, and continuous improvement teams. And she's got a surprise to share with us, something she's been working on that she hasn't told anybody, but we're going to announce it to the world. So joining us today is Debbie Barnard. Welcome to the cafe, Debbie. How are you? I am doing amazing and I feel so privileged to be in the cafe. (laughs) Thanks so much for having me. Well, we are really, yeah, we are very excited to have you. And thank you so much for joining us all the way from Dubai. That's a really long place, a really long, far place. (laughs) to travel. <laughs> Thank God we have a virtual cafe. <laughs> I heard, I heard the, the coffee was really, really good. So I came just for this special latte. Yes. You're smart. You're smart. I can tell already. <laughs> so we're really excited to, for our audience to get to know you a little bit. And so we've got a couple of questions for you. And so first, we really just want to start with the Diamond Cut Leadership Network. Tell us a little bit about how you got that started and how it helps leaders become better. Would that be okay? Yes, yes, of, of course, of course. So um, I am a nurse by training and have worked in healthcare um, since I was a little, little person <laughs> and um, have been very, very fortunate to have worked in five countries, um, US, Canada, uh, my home country of the Bahamas, spent a little time in, in Jamaica, and now I am living in the UAE. And as you get a little bit older, you start to do much, much more reflecting. And that um, idea of passion and purpose. And so as I have thought about Um, What next? Um, My current um, position, I um, work in a part-time role. And so I was left with this other time that I could fill with with pure passion. And one of the things is that I realized that many leaders, um, and because I'm a woman, I'm always um, connecting with other women, is that sometimes 
we aren't as successful as we have the potential to be because of sometimes some of our own insecurities, um, our mental models, how we work, um, our own thought about presence. And, you know, lots of experts have talked about the whole um, imposter syndrome. So I've decided that one of the ways that I can give back and then continue to learn and grow um, is to spend time working with leaders. Um, sharing my um, experiencing, my experiences, um, providing coaching, but also providing um, um, some mentoring. And then I've been really lucky to have acquired um, some really cool, wonderful um, colleagues. And the reason why, rather than, you know, diamond cut, um, just coaching or um, consulting. The reason why I called it network is because um, I've begun to create this ecosystem where I can do one-on-one -on -one work with leaders, especially those leaders in, in those new, you know, that first senior role when you're like, oh my God, they picked me. What am I going to do next? But I also have the opportunity to net network and collaborate with other leaders that I know around the world who have a similar passion to work with organizations, create workplaces that nurture and um, inspire. And then the other part of the network is my connecting with that desire that I have is not only to help individuals be successful, help organizations be successful, but also to create a world that works for all. So I'm able to add to that network of collaboration, the work that I love to do around equity and really looking at how do we um, co-create um, a world that works better? So hence, Diamond Cut Leadership Network. And you know, to get a diamond, you have to do some work to get the best product out. So that's um, how I came to that name and the work that I'm doing now. That's a beautiful description and a lovely analogy. And I think about the work to get a diamond and then the work to refine a diamond. Yes. So you've got it working both ways. What about the healthcare culture? Are there challenges there that are different from Canada or the US? You know, you've been around. <laughs> I love that you've been around. Um, <laughs> so the, uh, so I have this two parts of, of, of me going. So I'm lucky I'm working um, for one of the most um, cutting edge companies in, in the world. I work as a consultant with um, Joint Commission International or JCI. And I've also had the opportunity to work for the Joint Commission while I lived in, in, in the US. So I've seen healthcare at many, many levels. I've seen healthcare as a frontline nurse. I've seen healthcare as a senior leader, as vice president for process um, improvement and, and quality. I think globally, we have um, some similar um, um, issues. Um, healthcare um, over the last many um, years have been faced with where the public, um, those, that are, those of us that work in healthcare, we want more, there's more technology, we know more about 
um, you know, medications and life-saving um, methods. So on that side is that speed and, and what we can do and how many lives um, we can say um, we can save. Internationally, there's also some issues that are, are very similar. So since 1999, uh, when in the U.S. the uh, the pivotal study was released around um, the fact that, unfortunately, when people come to healthcare, that they are sometimes harmed in care, and after the the uh, the um, that key piece of work was um, done by um, the Institute of, of Medicine, um, countries um, around the world. So all of the developed countries began to look at um, how well they were doing because they wanted to feel that it was an American problem. And each country that um, did their individual studies to look at were people harmed by care the resounding unfortunate evidence that came back is that that's something that connected us um, in, in healthcare globally, that the way we work, our processes, how we prepared um, our caregivers did not always set us up to live up to that commitment to always provide the highest quality of care along with the safest um, care. So I think that there, although healthcare continues um, to do amazing things, and I think lots of good things about our healthcare systems globally um, has come to surface um, during um, um, the, the, the pandemic. Um, you, you've seen healthcare organizations pivot and change rapidly so that we can service um, our, our patients and service our communities and, and, and families. So that engine to do what is right for the patients are there. But of course, we still have work around how can we um, create a safer environment? And then also, how can we make um, sure that the care that we're providing is equitable? Um, last year, as um, after um, the, um, oh God, <laughs> you're gonna have to edit that out. <laughs> after the incident in, in, um, in the US that caused us to, um, just look at the question of equity in our communities. Um, lots of healthcare professionals, lots of um, continuous improvement professionals started to do their own reflection to say um, in healthcare, like other industries, when we are looking at um, doing improvement work, um, do we ever pull away and answer the question around the equity lens. And again, many organizations have had to admit they, they, they haven't. Um, um, the Institute for Healthcare Improvement, their president, um, um, Dr. Kadar, I, I just admire him um, so much because in one of the um, um, one of the blogs that he penned, um, you know, right in the, in, in the middle of the, the unrest in, in the U.S. last year, he actually challenged healthcare improvement professionals to say, 
Um, and he started with his organization that has led improvement globally and said, you know what? We actually looked at some of the work, some of our best work, and we realized that uh, we really couldn't answer the question if the improvement that we did actually impacted the people that needed the most. And one of the glaring things is that the way that the data was stratified, they never looked at it. And so that's something that many high-performing organizations are beginning to now look at to say, can we answer the question around um, equity? So um, it, that brings two of my passions together because all leaders, leaders are now challenged with, um, I, am I going to pretend like we do that we're doing okay? Or yeah. am I going to be brave enough to look at our data and say, do we know for sure? Um, are we, you know, are we taking care of all in our, in our community? So that is wonderful. Thank you for that evolution. And I think what's interesting is I'm curious to know, um, has that had you evolve in terms of what you're providing in terms of support, mentoring? I had another question too. Uh, you said uh, that, do you mostly help women or I'm sure you help everyone, but is most of your, most of your clientele women in healthcare leaders? So the majority of them are women and the majority of them are women who are in their first major roles. So mm -hmm. a director role, a chief nurse role. I've had a number of um, leaders who are aspiring leaders. So they know they can do it. Um, but they also felt that, you know what, I, I don't have the right skill set. I don't have the right um, voice. So yeah. we worked together to say, it's in here. Let's pull that out and, yes. um, and, and step forward. And um, I've had physician um, leaders um, as well. But, mm -hmm. you know, they say um, every coach attracts a community and yeah. so primarily women but I've also had have um I've had male clients as well because yeah. they said they liked my energy and my style and Definitely. so I'm open to who whoever feels that I can hear their voice and I can support them along their journey and yes. if I initially connect with someone who I don't feel um, the great thing about being connected to uh, an amazing international community of, um, of coaches and consultants is that you can always make a referral to someone who you think will connect with that person and support mm -hmm, them mm -hmm. um, even more. Yes. And I just had a couple questions around that. They're, they're kind of related. Uh, so uh, one of them women, and then, you know, there's this, you know, the history and data that show that women are not great at finding mentors, right? So uh, men tend to have, find this natural path. Women, it's a little harder for some reason. Are you still seeing that as a trend or you, or, I mean, is that why you got into what you were doing or is that, do you feel like that's changing? I, I think it's changing, but I've also experienced um, that sometimes um, we're not always as, um, as trusting. Um, 
sometimes women in the workplace, they feel like they are competing um, with. Um, sometimes as women, we feel that we have to do everything perfect right? Mm -hmm. So what we do at work, what we do at home, and we have to keep it all together, you know, our volunteer stuff. And so reaching out um, to find a mentor, reaching out to find a coach actually means that you have to have some self-awareness to say, you know what, a little bit of support can help me a, a long way. I am a coach, but I also have a coach. Because as we grow, as we evolve, all of us find those, those points where just a little bit of help just to help us levitate and move through. And so every good coach, like every good um, psychologist, every good psychiatrist often will have someone that they, they use as a mirror, someone who's with them to say, um, yes, all those things that you believe you can do, you can actually do those things. This is so great listening to you talk about your background in healthcare, the evolution into leadership and your role in it. And it makes such sense. And I'm amazed that we don't know this yet about you. But another thing we just found out about you is that you're in the middle of a book. You're, you're coming out with a book. Can you tell us about that? So it's an homage to my mother. And um, so my background is healthcare, background is quality improvement and process, process improvement. And Pascal Dennis, um, who is the author of Getting the Right Things Done, he, I had the privilege of him acting as our sensei for an organization that I worked um, for in, in Canada. And as he worked along with our senior team, one of the things that we connected around is the fact that we both came from families that owned restaurants. And so in a number of his books, he, he alludes to, as he tells his story, because he teaches with stories, as he tells the stories, he will mention, um, use the restaurant to teach lean lessons. And so as I have um, begun this, um, this journey to work more um, supporting, the best thing that you can do is always be transparent and share your own story. When I share my story, that lets you know, hmm, maybe I can connect with her. You know, she'll understand, you know, my history. Um, so my mom was a chef. Um, I was born in the Caribbean and she had the audacity in the late 60s to start a business. Um, she had the audacity to start a business with a vision of, or like what we talk about in Lean, True North, what's our purpose, you know, what's the legacy that, that, that um, she wanted to leave. And I've realized over the, the last two decades, as I have matured um, in my approach for leadership and continuous improvement, I've realized that I grew, grew up learning 
those core lessons um, from her. So in Lean, we all, you know, we often talk about having that continuous improvement energy within um, within um, the work that we do. We talk about standard work and you know developing mastery, and we talk about respect um, for people. So I'll start with standard work. Um, my mom made this dish that we have in the Bahamas called peas and rice. And every single night, it was exactly the same. She repeated the, the, the recipe in the exact same way. The taste was amazing. So that notion of standard work, knowing the ingredients, you know, knowing the lead time, knowing how to combine them in a way that leaves the customer wanting more every single time. Respect for people. She treated all of our workers like they were our family. I remember our gardener, she would make him a hot meal and we would be like, can't, can't I just make him a sandwich? And she would be like, no, he's an adult man. He needs a decent lunch. She didn't have to do that. But she believed that everyone should be treated with respect. So respect for people, that's, that's in my lifeblood. Most of the teams that I've led, when they re reflect, when, you know, when I meet them later on, that's something that they often point out. That's not because of me, that's because um, of, of my mom. And she had a big vision. And so here was, you know, black woman in the 60s, um, grade school education, but she created a business that's lasted, that has a legacy that she was able to pass on to the next um, generation. And so I've decided to do a, a mini book just collating 10 of those key lessons that she taught me that every lean leader, every leader in any organization can pick up and say, I, these are applicable to what I do so that I can end up with an, organ, um, uh, an environment of continuous improvement, one where we produce uh, whatever you produce, whether service or product, where you produce um, something that your customers um, want. And then, of course, the key is that respect for people, making sure that everyone who's a part of that organization knows that they're valued and knows that their contribution is appreciated. So that's what I'm working on right now. So hopefully it'll be public. No, my coach is listening. It will be published later this fall. <laughs> that That's is exciting. awesome. And the, and the book, 10 Leadership Lessons Inspired by My Mom, My First CI Sensei. I love that. Is that going to be the right. official title? You know, some people will be massaging it, but that's that's the that's the essence. It's it's my way of honoring um, the amazing uh, woman that helped me to become who I am today. Oh, I uh, love that! 
that's an incredible story. What was the name of the restaurant? What is the name of the restaurant? So it's in the Bahamas and it's called Mother Merle's and it's named after her. Um, it's on been one of the Northern islands in the Bahamas that was impacted by the, the hurricane. So my sister and her family are now getting it rejuvenated so that the essence of what my mom left behind uh, will not be gone. I, I worked in the Bahamas for a while and you're making me want to go to this restaurant <laughs> and, and I want peas and rice right now. <laughs> that we'll sounds have to like see amazing. if we can hook you up. Uh, and also know. to write a book that is centered around, obviously the lessons are bigger than a restaurant, but your stories center around a restaurant and we all understand going to a restaurant. It's a universal experience. And we all know ones that are amazing and we know ones that are not so amazing. And so, um, yeah, the, the lessons that she taught us um, can be applied in, in any, um, any industry. Yes. And I will also say that, you know, I, you know, you've inspired me to think about how I can, you know, um, pay tribute to my mom, because I feel like she has given me a lot of gifts as well. Um, you know, I definitely know that she has taught me training within industry because she's Asian, my mother's Chinese, and she had these Chinese dishes she would make for us every year, Chinese New Year. And we were, when we were in our twenties, she has three daughters. Okay. I'm the middle. And she said, okay, people, you need to learn how to make these dishes now. Okay. You're 20. You don't know how to make them yet. You're going to make it this year. That's what I call training within industry. <laughs> yes. <laughs> See, I didn't learn that one is good for my mom. So therefore I can't make the peas and rice the way she did. So uh -huh. that's important. Maybe all of us should be collaborating, right? And create something even bigger um, in honor of, of the women that um, were so influential. Um, so yes. that we can pass it on. Um, if I don't have um, children, so I see myself as um, pouring into others um, those things that she poured into me. Oh, I love it. Aww. Well, guess what? We are out of time already. You know, we're going to have to have oh these coffee God. sessions to be a little longer, I think, Elizabeth. We're going to have to think, rethink that maybe. But anyways, we want to thank you so much for coming to the cafe, Debbie. And I can't, you know, I've met you. I don't know. I've known you now for what we've known her, what, about a year and a half. And I still haven't met her because, you know, you're in Dubai. But if you ever, you know, if you ever get out here, San Diego or Cape Cod, <laughs> I'd love to see you. And we'll let you know if we ever get to Dubai. <laughs> So I, I actually think that our women in lane group that are yeah. connect, you know, are in person meeting should actually be in Dubai. Oh, oh I think that would you, be awesome. Yeah. You, you work on that. You get that set up. I will, I will follow. I'm in. Okay. I will come. I, will come I would take the lead with that. Yeah. It's, it's an amazing city. I feel so privileged to have been able to be here at this time in, you know, in, in my career to have, you know, this amazing opportunity of, you know, doing work with an organization that I love and, um, you know, its sole purpose around helping healthcare to be better um, globally, but then also to be in a city where 
everything around you sends the message to say it's possible. So it makes you feel like, you know what, if I can't manifest my dreams anyplace else, I can do it here. Um, so I feel so privileged to, um, to be in the city, in this country. It has just amazing, amazing energy here. Wow. Ooh, you're creating a draw. Thank you. I think you are. <laughs> Book club and goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thanks again, Debbie. It's lovely you, to Debbie. talk to you and lovely to learn what's going on. I can't wait to talk to you again. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Stay tuned for information about our August 5th webinar with Sammy O'Bara. He'll be talking about the five habits of highly effective lean leaders. So don't forget to join us then. And tune in for next month's podcast where we interview Hugh Alley, author of Becoming a Supervisor. And there's still room for you to join our next improv workshop hosted by our the Elizabeth Swan. So this is In the Moment. It's called Improv Workshop. In the Moment, using improv as a people skill. It's a two and a half hours of improv and how it helps your process improvement skills. And you get to practice. That's coming up on August 18th. We'll include the link and our first session with that workshop was so much fun. I don't think people realized how much fun they were going to have. They learned a lot. And I have never seen this kind of workshop uh, related to lean. So I really think anybody should take this workshop if you've heard about it. I'm so looking forward to it. Thanks, Tracy. We're happy to be enjoying summer and we're lucky to have your company at the Justin Kind Cafe. It's always better with all of you. And we know you enjoyed your jolt of lean caffeine. See you next time.